you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lulovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Joel Lulovich. And Lucy Dickens. Welcome back to the Juggle Podcast. When I talk to people, women like us, I often get that question, oh, how do you do it all running your own business and having three kids and, you know, also doing the juggle stuff and, oh, you're getting so much stuff done. And, you know, do you find that your business is just great because you can be so flexible? And I'm usually, um, depending on the day, (laughs) depends how (laughs) I answer it. Sometimes I'm pretty down in the dumps about the whole thing. And then other days I'm full of positivity. But the point is, the point that I'm slowly, slowly trying to get to is the fact that I get asked a lot about the benefits of having my own business to manage the juggle. Are you getting that now too? I think it's something that women just talk about generally, don't they? Because particularly for the flexibility, when we have children and we see as outsiders or we expect that having our own business means that we get the flexibility to be able to earn an income do something that's fulfilling in a professional way and also be there with our children. And I think that we see that as more appealing once we have children, particularly around the flexibility point. Yeah. So because it is such a hot topic when it comes to trying to balance motherhood and career, this idea that running your own business is the way to go, we thought we would actually just dedicate the whole episode to it. So how is it that you can run a successful small business whilst managing your juggle, but particularly just really focusing on what it means to run your own business? So we invited Angela Henderson on to join us today. Angela is the founder of the highly successful online store, Finley and Me. And then through running this store and the various other opportunities that have come her way as a result, she's also launched a second business, which is Angela Henderson Consulting, where she works with small business owners. Having built her own online store, Angela knows what it takes to build successful businesses. And she's been featured online and in the media, including with David Koch, Inside Small Business and on lots of Australian and international podcasts. She's also a wife and mum of two young children, so she's just like us. She's one of us. And Angela shares with us her strategies for building successful businesses and particularly building profitable businesses. And she gives us a clear framework of the things that we need to focus on in order to do that. Yeah, I love her seven profit pillars. But what I really loved was the fact that she starts off by telling us why businesses fail. And the one that just keeps reaching out for me is this idea that you shouldn't do it alone and that trying to do a business alone in many cases is just ripe for setting you up to fail because you can be the loneliness or just not having the help and then burning out because you're trying to do it all or maybe you're ruining your marriage at the same time, whatever it might be. I just feel that that doing alone comment really, really spoke to me. So enjoy the episode. If you're thinking about starting your own business or you are doing your own business, this is definitely the one for you. Enjoy. Hey, Ange, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. How are you? We are very good. But one of the things that we want to talk to you about is this crazy thing of deciding to run your own business as a way to have a successful career and still have a fulfilling family life. Is running your own business the answer to all of our dreams? Gosh, 
That's I don't know. I, I feel like you've already thrown me a curveball and we're only 20 seconds in. Listen, I think there's <laughs> definitely elements there that it is, but I guess that dream has to be determined individually. For me, yes, it is. Obviously, I still worked full time for five years in my business, working five days a week and still running my first business and then bringing on a second business. So I still actually really did love the corporate world. So, you know, and then there's parts of it that I really miss, you know, like knowing that I've got a designated lunch break every single day that I actually get up. <laughs> and walk away is always important. And also kind of like those belly laughs that you have with your, you know, your friends and your community, I think is, you know, being an entrepreneur and as as a businesswoman can be quite lonely. So there are elements that I absolutely love, but there's also elements that I kind of equally miss too. I want to take you back quickly to saying you starting your business while you were still working full time. How did that look? What was that like? For me, listen, there's a lot of gurus out there who are quite happy to say, you know, drop the nine to five, jump right in and do X, Y, and Z. But I think people need to be really mindful about individual situations and though those gurus can talk about that. So for me, it was still about being able to kind of bootstrap my first business and knowing that I was able to work full time for the government and get two weeks of sick leave, four weeks of annual leave. Then I bought an additional four weeks of, um, you can buy purchase leave on yes. top of that. And then and I also got one rostered day off a month. I was able to grow my business without that financial strain for me. So for me, that's why I did what I did. I also think there's some elements that I was a lot more productive in business and didn't get lost in the realm of social media and stuff because I knew I only had a very short amount of time every mm. single day to crank out what I needed to do. Where now I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm a little bit tired. I'll just go back to bed for a little while. Or, oh, I just need to hop on Facebook and just get that one email 40 minutes later. You know, whereas like at nighttime, it was pretty much get home from the corporate job, hang out with the kids and family, put them to bed. And then it was game on from 7.30 to kind of 10.30, 11 o'clock every single night for a very long time. So, you know, not that I necessarily encourage other people to do it exactly the way I did. I would have probably changed a few things, but I think, you know, you need to be really mindful about just leaving the corporate job and not being able to financially, emotionally, immensely maintain your business and more importantly, your family life. What I tend to hear from women, especially mums, is I'm going to start my own business because it's going to help me manage the juggle because I'll have more flexibility because I'll be running my own business. And some people think it's going to be, I don't know, easier in lots of different ways. But what I'm hearing from you is that perhaps it's not easier and that sometimes that the job that you have is easier. Do you find that the women business owners that you consult with, that many of them start their own business for that reason, that they want to be able to better manage their kids with their careers? I think a lot of them want to be able to have the flexibility to be able to create those kind of long-term childhood memories, really. I think we all, in some way, are desire long for it. But again, because of the world that we live in and we need money to pay bills, et cetera, that, yeah. So a lot of the women will say things like to me, I really just want to be able to know that I can put my orders out in the afternoon, but I can still make such and such as, you know, I don't know, choir performance. Or I really just want to take a family holiday and be able to actually just enjoy the family. But they may not have been able to, do you know what I mean? I don't know, afford it or didn't you know I mean work got in the way or whatever because the demand of the corporate job was so much. So there really is a lot of the, just those basic things. A lot of people think it's this perception of they want to be millionaires and make more money. But when I really kind of dig deep with the women in business that I serve, is that again, it's they want really just these basic fundamentals of, of just developing those long lasting, like I said, childhood memories with their kids. 
Do you think that it's as easy as you make it sound? Because you say they want to be able to spend their time with the children. But one of the things that we see happen is that it can become the opposite because it's hard to make those boundaries when you're not working outside the home from, you know, nine to five or whatever the times may be. Instead, your business becomes part of your life and it becomes more easy for it to infiltrate everything. I totally agree that it is quite easy for that little sucker to sneak in and your brain any time of day and any time of minute. But I think that comes down to really setting strong boundaries and being really quite disciplined around those. So I know people would say, well, how do you manage being a mom, you know, to two small kids, having the businesses, et cetera. And it was literally like in the morning when I woke up, I was with them, got them ready, got them breakfast. Then I was on the road. So I did a lot of my calls. Like it was 45 minutes, it switched in 45 minutes back to my home. So I still was working, do you mean utilizing that time efficiently when I was in the car there and back? And then when I got home, there was no phone or computer. It was strictly 4.30 to 7 o'clock. My game face was on with those kids. So it could be homework. It could be reading. It could be bath time. It could be blowing bubbles. It could be whatever it was. Then a husband, he's a fisherman by trade and actually got, went to bed fairly and still does. He's in bed by like 7.30 quarter day every day. So in some ways... I was fortunate in that it didn't impact the marriage per se because he was going to bed. So I could have stayed up and sat and watched Netflix all night or I could plot away at my business, right? So that didn't really impact us. And then, yes, but I was quite disciplined. And so then from 7.30 or 8 o'clock till, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock at night, I was just working on the business. And that was a choice. And I think, again, what people forget is it all comes down to choices too. Because you don't, you can choose to, do you know what I mean, sit and watch Netflix or you can choose to work on your business. You can choose to be disciplined with your kids and create those memories or you can choose to allow the business to kind of come in, right? Right. So I always say is people will try and blame a lot of things on their business or on their marriage or on their nine to five. But at the end of the day, we all have choices. And some of that I'm really quite big around that kind of growth mindset with my own clients is that choices. What choices do you get to make every single day to make your business grow, to make your family you know, needs be met? Yeah, and it's trying to start weaving and changing some of those stories. I love that. And I totally agree that we have choices. But in the moment and as a business owner with this on the side, with the family, with the husband, with all the things, <laughs> I find those boundaries so incredibly difficult to put in place. And like you said, it's the sneaky thoughts that come in. So you might tell yourself this four till seven time is with my family and with my kids, mm-hmm. but to stop your thoughts is something else entirely. Like you can be disciplined and leave your phone in another room, but you, your mind's doing its own thing. Mm-hmm. And I definitely find that that impacts mentally, you know, and it, it starts to creep in all the time. And then of course it can disrupt your sleep. As Lucy said, you know, we go into businesses with the idea that it's going to be the answer to the dreams, but it's not always that easy. So how do you encourage women to put those mental boundaries in place? Yep. One of the things that I've been doing probably more recently in the last few years is about I don't actually believe in work-life balance. I think it's a load of shit, really, because I think we actually are striving so hard for this balance that it's actually creating unwanted anxiety for women and stress. And so I actually look at things from a different perspective, and I look at things of being present. So when I'm with my kids, it's about quality versus quantity. And so I look at when I'm with my kids, when I'm with my husband, when I'm with my family on a holiday, am I being present? Mm -hmm. And yes, there are times when you're like, you're on the phone again and you're like, okay. And so I just keep asking. And then you're like, shit, I actually shouldn't be on the phone right now. You know, that sneaky thought came in or that sneak, whatever. And then again, I just, I like repetitively have asked myself, am I being present? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's super hard. Like the other day on the weekend, when we were traveling just on Saturday, we went down to dream world for the day because we live in Brisbane. And 
when I first got there, I was like, all I started thinking about, because I've just come back from the Maldives on a business mastermind. Then Finley, my son was sick and the ambulance had to be called. And so like, I'm behind on work. And I was like, oh my gosh, a whole day at Dream World, really? And so I'm driving <laughs> down there and we're listening to songs, but my brain is still, as you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, our brains go a million miles an hour, no matter what, naturally. Yes. And then I just had to keep reminding myself throughout the day, am I being present? Yes. Am I being present? And just even that simple question to myself internally is enough for me to reflect just really quickly, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. catch myself, actually, no, I'm not. Well, what do I need to do? Well, do you mean ask the kids more questions, give yeah. them some more hugs or whatever <laughs> that looks like for your family? Or if I'm going out to dinner, you know, am I just staring off to space with my husband? Okay. Well, what else could I be doing? You know? So it's just that mere question that I ask myself, am I being present in the current situation where I am? And that can also be at work. My kids will come home early on a Thursday from school because my husband picks them up early and they'll come in and then I, I'll start the same thing. It's the opposite. They're in here asking me a million questions and I'm like, well, am I being true to my work? Am I being present? No, I'm freaking playing Legos, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there is that juggle that you've got to do and I mean, assess, but the easy thing and the thing that has decreased my own anxiety and also just allowed me that opportunity to just breathe again was going back to, am I present? So something simple, it works for me, it might not work for everyone, but just being mindful of it and having the insight of being present has allowed things to shift quite dramatically for my family and I. A tool that helps me with that as well as making lists, because if I'm feeling that there's so many things running around in my brain and I really want to be doing them, but I actually need to be here playing Lego or whatever it might be, (laughs) I just take a few minutes and write it down and just let it all out of my head. And if it's on a piece of paper, I find it easier then to just put it aside for a little while and go and do the Lego and come back to it later. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with the good old brain dump. Yeah. Is anything that you can get out of your brain is going to be much better than you keeping it in. It's kind of like, you know, as bad as it, but when my kids are about to puke and they're trying to hold it in, right? <laughs> and they're like, no, I hate puking. I'm like, no, trust me, just get it out. You're going to feel so much better. And then my daughter, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the same thing. If you can just get it out, it frees mm. up your headspace. Same mm. thing with their little tummies when they're like, yeah, projectile <laughs> vomiting on us, right? So lovely um, metaphor. So yes. But yes. <laughs> Only a mum would give that metaphor. One hundred percent. So with all of this, even though I'm focusing on all the hardships of running a business, I still run one and I still love it. And you know, there's still a lot of other women out there who are doing the same thing. All of I mean, all of us are. And mm-hmm. I know a bunch of others who want to do it too. So for those people who really do think that running a business is is the answer for them and they want to give it a crack, I know that you have what you call seven profit pillars for growing a sustainable and profitable business. So what we'd like to do is talk through those with you so we can give anyone listening who's thinking business is for them a starting point. Cool. I guess one of the first things that I like to start when I start thinking about the seven profit pillars that are necessary is more about some of the reasons why small business owners struggle to survive. Because if they can start to understand what kind of those four real reasons that they struggle to survive, then they could potentially avoid those from the beginning before we even get into the nitty gritty of the seven profit pillars. So reason number one that I like to talk about is why small businesses struggle to survive is that they're lacking clarity on what actions to take. Most business owners Owners, literally the majority of people I know, we jump in head first. We don't really know what the hell we're doing. We're super excited 
but then also the overwhelm starts to come in and next thing you know, before we know it, we're chasing our tail. So one of the main reasons why small businesses struggle to survive is that they're lacking the clarity that they need Two, And we've talked a little bit about that is a, you know, that shiny object syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're being online. And the analogy that I use is kind of like, it's called subway surfer. I don't know if any of your kids played on their laptops, but they've got to collect all the gold coins you're moving really, really oh, yeah. quickly, but you're yeah. not really getting anywhere. So you're like, yeah. you're just running, rushing from one gold coin to the next gold coin, but with not, nothing there. Or for <laughs> us, we're running to the next influencer or the next PR tactic or the next sales tactic or the next re-download. We're constantly getting distracted over and over again. And it doesn't have to be that way. But that's another reason why businesses will fail is they're not actually focusing on what they need to focus on. Mm-hmm. That also leads to burning out, not just from a business point of view, but from a physiological point of view and a mental health point of view. So it's really important to those that want to have this business journey to think about that. I also say reason number three that a lot of small business owners will fail to survive is that they're treating their social media as a safety net and that they don't have a website to drive traffic back to. And it doesn't have to be bells and whistles. It just needs to be a platform is that they're so dependent on social media that I've seen businesses completely grow. Facebook closes their entire thing down and their business model is done. And so it's really important that again, you you know, the businesses look at, are they treating social media as a safety net? Because it's a super you know dangerous game. And the last thing that I see why so many small business owners, and and this is also relevant to moms, is that we do it alone. Mm. We're all about the hustle and do this and that you need, there's a million things that you need to be doing, but going it alone will only actually take you so far. And it's the same thing in motherhood. You know, we used to have these beautiful tribes and communities that would nurture. And and I think back in the sixties and seventies, those ladies actually did it quite well. There was always people coming into your homes for coffee or a cup of tea and the kids would play and you didn't have the text days before to come in. And that's the essence of another reason why businesses, do you know what I mean, are making some of these uh, mistakes and failing is that they're choosing to continually to do it alone. You know, you really need that safe and supportive community, whether or not, I know you guys do a lot of local events, for example, whatever that looks like being on a Facebook group, whatever it is, but you know, you can't keep doing it alone. And so through those mistakes, I guess, are some of the reasons why businesses really struggle to survive is I've come up kind of with the core seven profit pillars I call that are necessary in order to really grow that juicy and sustainable and profitable business. Because without that, the analogy I use is like the three little pigs, as moms, the majority of us have probably read this book 952 million times at some point. <laughs> yes. Is that you've got a, a business made of hay or a business made of straw, but it wouldn't take much for those houses to collapse. It's like mm-hmm. Storybook. And so to me, I'm really big about developing the foundational framework and tools that are necessary in order to have that really juicy and meaty business. And so I guess when I look at profit pillar number one, I really look at needing your profit, your perfect profit profile. And that is really about also understanding your own core values. It's about understanding what elements your ideal client stands for. Where do they consume information? So example, a lot of your clients, I'm assuming, are going to be listening to podcasts because you have a podcast. That's what they like to consume information. We also look at people's why they're in business. And because if you don't understand what your own core values are, if you don't understand why you're doing what you're doing and doing these long nights or, you know, having to ask yourself, am I being present? All right. Then you you kind of, I I believe you're setting yourself up for failure there. So profit pillar number one is all about looking at your perfect profit profile, which again, identifies your why, your own core values and your ideal client. Because without that, it's going to be very hard. I love that because you've got in there the values and the why, which 
links in with what we say to people about how they should manage their juggle. And we start off with by saying, figure out your joy, figure out your values, figure out what's important to you. Because if you don't know what that is and have that at the forefront all the time, it's really easy to get sidetracked with always working on your business or working to scale your business to a million dollars when really all you cared about was earning one or 200,000 or something like that so that you could provide a decent, nice life for your family. Yep. And that's exactly right. Like what we were talking earlier on is what do the majority of women want is they're actually not, the majority of them don't want millions. They just want to live comfortably and provide those essentials to their children, but equally not miss out on being in their children's lives. Absolutely. So then profit pillar number two is what I've kind of talked about before is where people are so dependent on creating their social media platforms and they build their businesses on those. And so profit pillar number two is really about architecting your profit ready website. So really looking at what is that core messaging on the website, making sure that your website is conversional because so often I see people running Facebook ads or Google ads or LinkedIn ads, Pinterest ads, and they're driving traffic back to this shitty website that's not conversional. Mm-hmm. What people don't realize is that you only have six seconds from the time someone lands on your website in order for them to make a decision if they're in the right place or if they're getting ready to leave. So if you don't have a clear message above the fold with a straight call to action on what you want them to do, you're going to sacrifice your overall profitability there. Another thing that people forget on their website is making sure that it's SEO optimized, so search engine optimization, and that Google can find your website. That's another element of having a you know your profit-ready website is you want that website to be working 24 hours a day, even when you're asleep. You want people around the world potentially to be able to find you organically because we know when you're found organically in the search engine you've got a 30% higher chance of conversion because people are already looking for a resolution so solutions so it's super important with profit pillar number two that you've got your profit ready website ready to rock and roll six seconds is really not very long is it not long at all no Some advice I was given recently around websites, and obviously it's going to depend on what your business is and what service you're selling and what your offer is, but some advice I was given, which really made me question, kind of think differently actually, was that people think in order to have a business, I need to have a website. And yes, you do. You need to have an online presence. But for some people and some businesses, it's not actually the first thing. And people push their website forward thinking, I can't do anything until I've got a website. But actually what they can do is get out and start talking to people and selling to people. And then the website can come next. And I just thought that was interesting because at least for me, and I know for a lot of other people, I think business, okay, first thing I need is a website. But while it's important, perhaps it's not always number one. What do you think about that? We could probably agree to disagree on this one, I would say. (laughs) Okay. Listen, I I think, listen, my first website was definitely, it was e-commerce, right? So you need to be able to have a platform in order to sell, right? Now with Angela Anderson Consulting is, yeah, there's always testing that can be done. So I think in conjunction with networking, working the Facebook groups and getting, you know, your word out there, building relationships, maybe getting people on discovery calls, whatever. But uh, so many people, and I don't have the data in front of me, but there's this percentage of people who will start to look for your credibility your authority yeah. mm, and your trustworthiness. Yeah. And so though you, it's not a necessity, if you really though, if someone's sitting on the fence and they really like you in a Facebook group and they go, hey, can I see your website? If you've got one person with a website and one person that doesn't, there's a high chance that they're going to go with the person who's got this by perception, all right? Doesn't necessarily mean by truth, but the perception is that they're a little bit further along in the game, all right? And they're so easy to make, aren't they? And websites don't have to cost a lot of money these days. <laughs> Says you, tech lady. <laughs> <laughs> 
But they don't have to cost a lot of money. It's the other side if you can't do the, the DIY. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't have to cost a lot of money. But again, this is where they'll just have a website versus a conversional website, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. they will go, well, I've got a website, Ange. Mm. And I'll be like, okay, well, let's look at your traffic. And then I'll go and look at their traffic and their bounce rate. So how long people are staying on their site is for like 30 seconds. Mm. And I'm like, well, if it's only 30 seconds, that's telling me that you're not giving them what they want. Mm. So either it's too hard to navigate. Mm. You don't have the right click buttons for people to click through. Mm. or people aren't finding you while you're sleeping at night. So yes, they are inexpensive. And yes, you can still have a conversional website that is inexpensive. But so often the myth is, well, I've got a website, why is my traffic? No, it doesn't work like that. If your website doesn't convert and it's not conversional because you don't have clear messaging, you don't have a lead magnet, you don't have your above the fold, you don't have a call to action. Yeah, like that's the kind of the misconception is, well, I've got a website. And so I just think that there's certain things on a website that you need that can be a super cheap website build, but you still are going to need those elements in order for people to convert both yeah. long-term and short-term. Yeah. Mm, cool. Okay. We distracted you on website. Sorry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> number three. <laughs> number three is I talk about profit pillar around the moneymaker map. And this is really getting clear and focusing on your marketing energies. And I talk about how you build your ecosystem. So the ecosystem is around this profit pillar is looking at like, what freebies are you doing? What's kind of your middle leverage point? So what is your next cost point? And what are your high ticket items? And for some people that might start off really, really like small and minimal. So they might just do a blog or they could just do a podcast or they might be a guest on someone's podcast. But you got to really look at what free content are you giving away? Where are you showing up within your ecosystem to start moving people in that customer journey to buying from you? So we really kind of look at Profit Pillar 3 around building your money-making map and making sure that we can look at if you have a bad month in one part of that map that it's going to make up in other parts of the map. Knowing where, again, how to convert the traffic to sales, your prospects, the clients. So without this information, it's going to be quite difficult to be able to get those conversions which leads to your revenue and profitability. Sounds sensible. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then profit pillar number four, I'm a firm believer, I'm still old school. And that again is building your profit pillar, you know, your email list building. It's really important that you, if you, Facebook does close you down, that you still have other people that you can still get in contact with at all times. And that allows you again with, you know, you guys with podcasting, whatever, is that I can send an email out about my latest blog article, my latest podcast, my latest sale. I've always got people that I can still talk to. The algorithms change. The reality of it is, is you're lucky that 5% of people see your posts and more unless they're paid. So you need other ways. And this is where it goes back to that old school email list building. You don't need a large list. Again, I think that's a big myth. You need a list of qualified leads who are your ideal client that are going to buy from you eventually. Um, so yes, yeah, so uh, Profit Pillar 4 is all about building you mean, your email list. I think that's so important. And it's something that I haven't been very good at doing in my business. But Lucy and I with the juggle have been a lot more <laughs> onto it recently, particularly trying to make sure that we let people know when we have released an episode and, and just what else we're doing. Because sometimes we get in touch with people and we'll be having a chat and they're like, oh, I didn't know you did presentations. Or I didn't know you did workshops for corporates on flexible working. How long have you been doing that for? And we're like, oh, well, we, well, we do them all the time. <laughs> and and it's just, a you know, it's just something that we've not told people about on a general share it kind of basis Mm. but I know like for example though I think you've got it's blue like a navy blue I think you've got a lead magnet though at the bottom of your um, homepage. yeah Yeah, exactly 
So you are growing your list. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Mm. Yeah. You might not be utilizing your list. That's all. We're getting better at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I definitely, yeah. I was like, no, I'm sure I saw a really cool lead magnet on your page. So yeah. Yeah. We have a few. We're quite mm. good at making them. We are. <laughs> yeah, like, tick, oh, we can do those ones. Tick, tick. So your lead magnet is part of your list building. Yeah. So your lead magnet could be in your blog articles at the end yeah. of those. Your lead magnet could be on the bottom of your website. Your magnet could be something that you say in a podcast, but it's wherever the these lead magnets are ultimately growing that email list, which is profit pillar number four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then profit pillar number five though, and then I get this is where you guys are kind of talking about is yeah, there's no point in having a really great email list with all these people if you don't have a sales funnel attached to them. Yeah. So again, you need to be able to go, well, how am I going to funnel these people on my email list so that I can start to nurture them, build my trust, my credibility, my rapport, and then put an offer in front of them. So mm-hmm. that's where we look at profit pillar number five around simplified sales funnels. You need sales funnels at all different points in your business in order to be again, selling what you you know do, but there's mm-hmm. a way that you have to do it. And that you, again, you can't just go to a bar and ask someone for sex. I mean, you can, but it might not, you know, be very yeah. useful at the beginning. So you've got to nurture people from that top of funnel down to the bottom of the funnel where the sale is presented. So if you were going to go to a bar, you might buy someone a drink, you might get their phone number, you might text message them later. You might then go out to dinner, you might go to a movie and well, then you might get lucky. Okay. Does but, anyone do that these days? I thought it was all Tinder. Not that I would know, but Tinder. anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what happens in the 40 year old speaking. So, yes. <laughs> I don't know, swipe right, swipe left. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, yes. Um, but you get the gist, right? Is that it takes time, all right, to nurture it. And so that's why it's so important that if you just get someone on your email list and then you just go, all right, come and sleep with me or come by from me, they're probably going to say, see you later and leave your mm-hmm. email list. So, yeah. we really need to make sure that we have a nurture sequence in place and that we've got those funnels in place to lead them on that journey that I'm buying from you. So yeah, so that's profit pillar number five. Great. Let's go. Six and seven. Six and seven. (laughs) Profit pillar number six is all about, as you guys know, in business, you can only do so much by yourself for so long. Mm, Yeah. Number six is all about profit pillar building your dream team and that making sure that in order to avoid burnout and overwhelm, but at the same time being able to grow and scale your business, you must be able to start looking at your dream team. And one of the things I just want to caveat here is that there are people who think that they've got to buy local, all right? And I'm all about supporting local Australian businesses. I, I support numerous businesses, but there's also tasks I hire based on task and based on job description. Mm-hmm. And there are some things that I hire overseas that cost me, you know, five, six, seven dollars an hour versus paying, say, sixty, seventy, eighty dollars an hour here in Australia. So for those of you who might be going, well, that's great. We don't have money to hire. I always kind of come back and challenge you on that is that there's always other people in different parts of the world. And the other thing I'll say to that is if you're not comfortable with that, people say, oh, well, you're taking jobs away from the Aussies. And the way I look at it is those women that have worked with me throughout the years, they've made more money than their husbands. They've been able to stay home with their children and create their own childhood memories with their children because I gave them an opportunity to, to be able to make that money within their home. So you just have to remember different countries, different rules, different price points, et cetera. But yeah, profit pillar six is all about that dream team hiring it because you're not going to be able to do this alone forever. And profit pillar number seven is all about being productive and profitable. So again, what do you need to do in order to do that? And that's really looking at, you know, your clarity and your revenue goals, your monthly stats around whether or not that's your podcast stat, how many people are hitting your website, how long are they staying on your website, and also being able to master your own schedule and staying top of those priorities 
I do a thing called a power hour, uh, mm. whereas an hour every day, I'll kind of put aside to grow on my business versus working in my business. But some people will start at 15 minutes of a power hour, or, you know, power 15 is what we call it, because everyone has to start somewhere. But yeah, those are kind of those really quick and very basic, those seven profit pillars that I've established over a decade of being in business. What I love about that is the fact that it's making it really clear that one, yeah, there's a framework here, but running a business is a lot more than just saying, I'm going to start my own business. There is so much to it. And I think we touched on it right back at the beginning that most of us just kind of go, and I was the same when I started my employment law practice. Well, this is what I do. And this is what my business is going to be in. And so you're really good at doing the thing that you do, but Mm -hmm. you've not necessarily had to do the marketing before (laughs) or the accounting before, or even the sales before. Mm -hmm. So depending on where you are at in the corporate career that you had before you start your own business, it's a huge learning curve. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's not just, you can't just sit at your desk and do the work. Mm-mm. And that's why having those frameworks like that and having support, like you say, get a coach or get somebody to help you work through it is so important. It's so easy to get distracted in the busy work yeah. and the social media because, I mean, yes, social media is important, but you need something to sell as well. And it's so hard to find the right balance between those things, especially mm. when it's easy to just do what's right in front of you or it's easy to go post something on social media it's not so easy to think okay what does my funnel look like what's my lead magnet going to be and how do these things all tie together yeah and some business owners still don't even know what those words mean as you go through your business journey these things become more and more things that you hear as you start researching and learning about them totally but I'm still constantly surprised by the number of business owners that I come across who don't know that a lead magnet's you know a, a freebie on your website that people can download and give their email for so there's a lot in this Totally. Like I said, I just come back from the mail dives. And one of the questions that my coach had said was, it went something like, who do you need to be in order to get you to where you want to go? And I thought that was an interesting question because who I need to be in order to get me now from a six figure to a seven figure business is a very different, do you know what I mean? Way of approaching things, right? So even if for those that are out there, who do you need to be to get you to that four figure business? Who do you need to be in order to get you to the five figure business and et cetera, right? For me, my mindset needs to be tighter. You know, I've got a pretty good growth mindset, but it probably even needs to be more solid. I know my numbers are going to have to be tighter. I'm going to have to deal. There's like things that I need to outsource more to allow me to do the bigger stuff, right? So I just thought it was an interesting question is who do you need to be in order to get you to where you want to go? I'm part of a group, the thought leaders, they have a business school. And their mantra is very similar. It's what would a black belt do? And a black belt is a person who's earning a certain level, a certain amount of revenue. I think it's 700,000, something along those lines. And they tell you right from the beginning, even when you're earning zero dollars, you need to think like a black belt and you need to ask yourself, what would a black belt do? Because even though you're not there yet, you're only going to get there if you're thinking like you're already there. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the same kind of thing. But I think that piece around mindset is so important and so often underlooked or undervalued and we just kind of look past it. But it is really important to think in that way and know where we want to be and how would that person be. And I think a lot of businesses, and this is the tricky part, is most businesses who come to me, if I said, hey, we're going to talk about your mindset, they don't see that as a need. They see that as I need sales, right? Mm. I believe mindset is 80% or more of a successful business owner, probably closer to 90, 95%. But again, when you're first starting, people don't see that because Again, it comes down like I talk about those choices, right? Yeah. If you don't make your sales for the month, most people could either crumble yeah. or other people are going to go, there's a way. It's all right. Well, there's a good way. Like I just spent $7,000 on Facebook ads in 
August, for example. Well, trust me, those ads did not go to plan. A lot of people would crumble. Oh my God, I've just spent $7,000. What am I going to do? I can't, you know, like, well, we can still feed my family, obviously, but we planned, we budgeted accordingly. Some people don't budget and then they start to freak out because they didn't do the ROI right from the beginning. Whereas I look at that going, well, no, hold on a minute. $7,000, but what did I learn from that? Well, there's a lot of data. We learned what worked. We worked what didn't work, what we can double down on next time. We worked on this messaging was probably stronger than this messaging. But when you first start, you're not looking at it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. You're looking at like, holy shit, I've just lost $7,000. Where I look at it as, I don't look at it as a mistake. I look at it as a lesson that I need in order to get me to the next part of the game. So, you know, mindset, I think is a development and it happens over time, but it's something that I work strongly on as soon as people start working with me is that, all right, well, how could we approach that differently? What are you feeling? What story are you telling yourself? What belief is attached to that? And we start to unpack those little by little, but they don't typically want the mindset. They want the sale. Through all of this, is there a summary? Is there, um, I'm looking for your mantra, something that ties it all together that kind of guides you through. Maybe at the moment it's the advice from your coach, but maybe it's not. So I want you to answer instead of me to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) A mantra, listen, I just say, yeah, there's no such things as mistakes. There are only lessons that you need to get you to the next bit is really what I kind of, you know, live off of, you know, pretty much every day. What lesson can I take away from this this happening over here, this happening over here. Uh, And because I look at it lessons versus mistakes, I don't beat myself up about it. Mm. It's not so much like, oh, I was a bad person. Oh, I didn't do this. It's no longer about me. It's about the lesson that I need. Yeah. I heard something recently, someone mashed the words together and they called it a like for lesson or something that the failure lesson, I don't know. It was better than that, but I can't remember what it was. And I was like, oh, I quite like that because it's still acknowledging that there is a thing called failure, but it yeah. is also acknowledging the fact that you can learn from it. Mm-hmm. So if you have got a woman in front of you, and there's probably plenty of them listening right now, who is wondering about this whole idea of should I start a business or should I not? What's your piece of advice? I would say, absolutely. I mean, what do you have to lose? Obviously, if you're going in there and you potentially could lose your house and your husband, well, then maybe think about that, right? <laughs> but, you know, like, if you genuinely don't have anything to lose, I mean, you might lose $5,000 or something like that. But how do you know if you're not going to try? Do you want to be 80 years old, you know what I mean, yeah. on dialysis per se, and they're going, oh, I wish I would have done that. So to me, it's just a matter of try, rock and roll, see what life gives you. I fail hard, right? Fail fast. If it doesn't work, don't draw that shit out. Do you mean the yeah. rest of that? <laughs> on, right, and I and I mm-hmm. so many businesses. I feel drawing it out and drawing it out, getting further and further in debt. If you've got a solid idea and you've tested that idea, or you can test that idea by asking for free in Facebook groups. Don't ask friends or family. Okay, just don't do that. But just rock and roll. What do you have, like? Genuinely, what do you have to lose? And if it's not the husband, kids, or house, then I say rock and roll. I like that. Awesome. I love that we're ending on a huge amount of positivity. So Angie, if someone wants to find you, where is the best place for them to go? Yeah, the best place would be my website at angelahenderson.com.au. And from there, you can either join my free Facebook community. There's my blog articles, my podcast, Business and Life Conversations with Angela Henderson. Everything's at angelahenderson.com.au. You can book in for a free 30-minute consult where we can you know, assess your business. Yeah, everything's on there. So the best bit would to go be to go to the website. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you so much for all of the helpful advice today. Well, thank you, ladies. You have an awesome day. Thank you. That's all from us today. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love it if you can go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. 
It really helps other people to find out about our show and it also helps us to know what kind of content that you enjoy. That's all from us today. I hope you enjoyed it. Happy juggling.